We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Sarah, several Ravens took the podium on Wednesday to preview their upcoming matchup with the Indianapolis Colts. Lamar Jackson joked about how their rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson's making him feel old. Go figure on that one. And John Harbaugh, he also explained why Ardarius Washington is the latest Raven to have been placed on IR. And Bobby, the guy who stole the show, though, at podium was one Zay Flowers who revealed that a Cincinnati defender was talking trash to him on a certain play. But the rookie receiver, uh, he got the last word in, dropping the hammer on said Bengals DB. Rook ain't afraid of anybody. I'm Bobby Trossett, as always, joined alongside by my co-host, Sarah Ellison. It is Thursday, September 21st, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. All right, well, Fox Sports personality Colin Cowherd, who once infamously claimed that Lamar Jackson was just a slightly talented version of Tim Tebow, well, he finally walked himself back on number eight, and things have officially come full circle. Plus, the full team injury report from Wednesday, including somewhat of a surprise, which running back Justice Hill is now dealing with. And that have actually that may have actually led to the signing of a familiar face that we talked about earlier this week. Yeah, we have all of that and more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. All right, Bobby. So as we said, big podium day. Wednesdays are always the big podium day. It's when the team flips the page and starts looking to their next opponent, which is the Indianapolis Colts. And we just have to start right here. We have to start with Zay Flowers because this guy had me rolling during his press conference. So a little background before we get to, to what he said. So we all know that play, right, where Lamar Jackson throws a chef's kiss, gorgeous pass, with plenty of protection, gets it out fast, good timing, lays it right into the bread basket for one Nelson Aguilar. Now, what you may not have noticed, most people didn't until the All-22 film starts coming out. And I'll pull that up right here because we get a different angle and we see what's happening with Zay Flowers. Here's Lamar Jackson. He drops back. 
gets the pass out quick. Boom, pause. Look where the ball is. And Zay Flowers is pointing already as if he knows a touchdown is coming, right? It's like, wow, all right. So what's going on there? It also looked like at the end, if you notice, that he and I believe it's DJ Turner uh, from, from the Bengals, they're kind of talking a little bit. So it's like, okay, of course, the reporters wanted to follow up on that and figure out what was going on with Zay throughout that play. Probably have the best view in the house of the, of the touchdown catch, and you seem to really enjoy that. What 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 did you particularly enjoy about that play? What was? Uh, I just enjoy like seeing our guys score. I just yeah. enjoy anybody on the field making a play, even if it's defense. You'll probably see me jumping around on the sideline. Like after Geno play, I was jumping around, running around. So I'm just excited for all my guys. Uh, he, he just said he locked me up, and I was like, "Look, touchdown!" That was like, "Look, touchdown!" That was like, "Look, touchdown!" That was like, "Look, touchdown!" I had to add in the repeats there with the, with the skull bringing out my amateur uh, iMovie skills there. But Bobby, that had me rolling because first of all, clearly Zay Flowers on the play was a decoy. Like he basically is running a hitch route. The 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 play is not for him. Lamar and Nelson Aguilar has been practicing that touchdown. They've completed them several times in training camp. We know that because the Ravens production team has put out, you know, several times here at training camp that Nelly would get these touchdown catches. Lamar and, and Nelly have that play down. So Zay, his job on that specific play is to make sure there's no other, you know, DBs in the area. So it's hilarious that the guy's like, oh, I locked you down. Sorry, sorry, nobody's locking down Zay Flowers. He's just too quick. So I just love that he's like, doesn't need to like say anything about, you know, I was just a decoy. He's just like, while the ball is still in the air, pointing at it being like, boom, touchdown. You have to love Zay Flowers. It just the the confidence, the moxie of this rookie is contagious. It's contagious and what I'm loving, and that's this is like exhibit A for a reminder, is that this offense is now diversified. So Zay not only showed his selflessness there for his teammates and just how much he wants to win, if he is a decoy, clearly that led to a positive yardage, a positive play, and putting six up on the board. But Sarah, from a diversification standpoint, there's going to be times where it's going to be Rashad's day. It was, it's been Zay's day so far to start this season off, or at least as well, it was week one. Then it was Nelson in week two. Like This is the product of, of essentially them investing in the wide receiver room this offseason, and now it has depth. And so Zay's telling everybody, it's, 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 it's a PSA to everybody. I'm going to have my touches. I'm going to get my balls, right? But ultimately, I'm also going to create for others. And that was a great example of that right there. And Nelson cashes in, and he had been waiting for that. He had earned that opportunity. So I think from a chemistry standpoint, too, is where we want to go next. Because remember, Zay and Lamar, the South Florida connection, they spent some time together working closely before training camp. And clearly, that's paid off, according to him. Um, yeah, I think it did. Because it, it was me, O, and Nelly out there. And we knew we was going to be three receivers that was going to be playing a lot. And we had to get out there, get some work together. And we knew we had to do it fast. Because if we wanted to have the season we want to have, we had to do it. Sarah, he knew he was going to be one of the three receivers getting work. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and Bateman's obviously in there. Bateman at the time couldn't go down to Florida. He wasn't cleared to play at that point. Uh, and what's funny, so, uh, you know, from, from 
at least a Baltimore fan perspective, when Nelson Aguilar was first signed, people were not happy about it, right? Because they were like, we need a bigger splash than Nelson Aguilar. So, you know, you kind of turned up your nose at it. Then, of course, later EDC is able to pull off OBJ and he's able to pull off uh, drafting Zay Flowers. So, but now in retrospect, people are starting to like Nelson Aguilar because they like him as a depth piece. I don't think they wanted him as like wide receiver one, but they like him in exactly this role, number three slash number four, OBJ goes down. Hey, we can be conservative and just let OBJ rest. We, it, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So today Lamar was asked, Hey, do you feel like Nelson Aguilar's signing kind of went under the radar because of Zay and OBJ's addition? And this is what Lamar had to say. You know, we've been connecting um, here on the field, um, in camp, uh, this, I, I would say pretty much the whole all season and it showed, you know, this past Sunday. That was not the quote that I thought he was going to say, but basically he was like, I want to keep him." I want to keep him under the radar. I don't want anybody to know about him whatsoever. Let's keep it that way. Let's, let's, I hope he continues in that direction too, because this is a veteran now. You know, this is a guy who's not expected to be. I don't know what the expectations are. How how realistic is you know a full seventeen game season durability wise for for Nelson? I hope I hope it's realistic. Off to a good start for him, and as long as his workload is is maybe monitored. I'm not saying he's on a pitch count per se, but he doesn't need to be anything more than a depth player on this team. And that's the beauty of it. So uh, Lamar was asked, being that it is Colts week, he was asked an interesting question. I was wondering if this was going to come up in the press conference, Sarah. But you were, if you remember, after the non-exclusive tag, there were quite a few teams that came out, as we covered extensively on the vault, with no interest. They expressed zero interest, essentially, in Lamar Jackson's free agency. And he was asked whether or not, essentially, he kept receipts, being that Indianapolis was one of those organizations. Lamar, um, you know, obviously everything this offseason worked out for, for you and the Ravens, but there was a point in time where people were wondering if a team like the Colts might, you know, aggressively make a move for you. Is that, knowing the kind of quarterback that you are, are you ever surprised when you think back on teams, you know, not seemingly going so hard after you? And then do you have a list in your mind the teams that you know you face on Sunday, like hey, I'm going to show you what you're missing. Uh, I'm grateful for being here. You know, um, we got our we got our uh, contract situation situated, and I'm focused on you know doing what's best for us, trying to win. I don't really care about other teams. Yeah, Sarah. The first thing that comes to mind is that I, I Lamar has been very very mindful with his press conferences so far this season. I think now that he's on the other side of this contract stuff and he's here for the next five years there have not been many sound bites that have come from him whatsoever and i wonder if that's a concerted effort between himself pr the, the higher up organization i mean you can probably speak to this more so than i can but it just seems as if and maybe that's always been the case with him he's he's just a mild-mannered guy and not exactly polarizing at least to us not to us have you noticed that at all I, I think that it's it's. I think Lamar has always, always, always been respectful uh, since he was a rookie till now. Like when he would get the Joe Flacco questions, like, "Are you, you know, do you guys have a good relationship? You're here to kind of take his job, this and that." And he would praise Joe whenever there's been re like 
receivers that clearly are like not pulling their weight. He has never thrown anybody under the bus. He's never thrown Greg Roman under the bus. He's never thrown his coach. Like he does not throw people under the bus. And then if you even go back, Bobby, because that question, which by the way, a lot of fans were sour about that question. They're like, what kind of question is that? It's, they felt like it was similar to the one of, to OBJ last week where it's like, hey, you keep getting injured against the Bengals. Are you scared it's going to happen again? They're like, what kind of question is that? It's like, hey, Lamar, remember when nobody wanted you? Like, are you ready to like throw that in their face? It's like, what kind of question is that? Now, I do think it's a similar question to a regular one that we get when guys are passed over in the draft. And if you go back to his rookie year and Deion Sanders is interviewing him, Deion's like, are you upset that 31 other teams? Lamar gave the same answer that, or basically a similar answer that day as a rookie that he gave at podium on Wednesday, which is like, nope, I'm just glad I'm a Raven. Don't, it doesn't mean anything. I'm just glad I'm a Raven. So, you know, I don't, I haven't, I don't see a difference in Lamar. Like now, do I think that, in, in especially the 2019 year, like he he gives funny quotes, like he can be funny and without even meaning to. There haven't been too many of those just yet, but no, I feel like he's always been respectful and he resisted anything right there, like he always does to try to like put something in the face of the Colts. Even though, from my perspective, I do. I want him to go off and I want him to show the Colts, like you guys are dummies. Like I'm glad he's a I'm glad he's a Raven, but the whole. NFL, are you kidding me? You passed him over in 2018. He was an MVP. You didn't learn your lesson. And here we are again. Like, great. I'm happy as like, you know, a person in Baltimore that follows Ravens. But, uh, you know, for me, I'd want to, I'd want to show them what they're missing again. Just to clarify, I wasn't observing and I'm not saying that you're insinuating this, but I wasn't observing from like a positive, negative, disrespectful, respectful vantage point. It was more so there hasn't been much newsworthy that he said during press conferences. I just feel like he's been mindful of the way that he's answered questions. Maybe some of it was related. The last thing that I can really remember that kind of blew up was related to the, the new system that he's in the middle of with Todd Munkin and how happy he is. Right, how thrilled he is, the keys to the car, right? Think things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But other than that, just not a ton of newsworthy content. And I think it's smart. Speaking of being underneath the radar, he's going to continue to be under the radar if he continues to do that. So, and I think that's good for the Ravens. We all like when the Ravens are on the radar, at least most of us do. All right, well, moving on here. So, this, this one was kind of this isn't one of those where, again, he's not meaning to be funny, but it kind of is and is just endearing. So, uh, when Anthony Richardson, which we're going to get into his uh, availability or potential non-availability for Sunday, but when he first came, was coming out of the draft, you know, it's like the common question, like, who do you, what's your comp? Like, who do you, who do you think you play like? And so he said that he felt like he was a combination of Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton. And so Lamar was asked about that today being like, Hey, how does that make you feel? when these guys out of the draft are like looking up to you and say that, you know, that's, uh, you know, they, they play like you. So here's Lamar. I'm going to be honest, right? That made me feel old and I'm only 26. <laughs> like comparing me, himself and Cam, it was like, I'm like, dang, comparing yourself to me and I'm still, you know, young, but, um, you know, I appreciate stuff like that. Uh, and I, I did see him um, a couple of times in college. He played phenomenal and, as his first two games, he has to. You know, Bobby, what's crazy is like when you're into year six in the league, 
these guys potentially, especially if they're not playing all four years in college, these guys were watching you in high school. Like, you know what I mean? And so it's like, uh, yeah, I get it. I mean, he's only 26 and he's, he, I don't even think he's hit his prime yet. This is usually about those years when you're on your second contract, that's usually your prime years and who knows how many prime years he's going to have. And he's already been phenomenal, obviously as an MVP, but, uh, but these are typically thought of as your prime years. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how many years, do you know how many years Richardson played at, I don't know how long he played, but even if it was only, even if it was like four years, then his senior year of high school, he's watching Lamar in the league. So uh, that's that's definitely got to be like a, a time warp for, for Lamar. He was a three-year player at the University of Florida. So there you go. Thanks for looking <laughs> crazy, at that. though, to, 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 to watch Lamar's reaction to feeling old makes us feel like, wow, this, yeah, he's been around for six years. I mean, if he feels old, what does that make us feel like? I remember... You know, the, Lamar's rookie season was your last in Baltimore before you moved to Columbus. And Lamar's rookie season was the year before I moved back to Baltimore after graduating college and going down to D.C. to work, cut my teeth in broadcasting for a little while. So, like, he has been here. You blink. I mean, you just said it the other day, right? The days are long. Or would you, would you, yeah, the days are long, the years are short. Is that what Harbs always says to you? Yep. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Well, this time of year, that, yeah, that rings true. Let's shift gears to something that got a ton of run in the Twitter sphere on Wednesday. And this was Colin Coward's, how should we put this? Because I want to make it clear, my tweet, and I'll pull it up here, Colin has before sort of walked himself back on his 2018 comments that he made about Lamar, essentially saying that he's just a more talented version of Tim Tebow. He has done that before, especially after the MVP season. But Sarah, it seemed like this was a little bit different. This week was more like, hey, I was dead wrong. And he went on like a three or four minute spiel about what makes Lamar great. Now, in order to do this content perfectly and make sure everybody knows what's going on and we're all on the same page, let's go back before we go forward. So we'll go to August of 2018. At that point, Lamar is in the middle of his first preseason with the Ravens. Joe Flacco is QB1, and he takes his first few reps, and Colin absolutely torches him. And I've said, Lamar Jackson's a more talented version of Tim Tebow, and all I get is pushback. All I get is pushback. And I say, no, no, no. No, you watch what's going to happen. Baltimore and Denver were proud franchises with Super Bowls. They're getting very frustrated with their head coach on the hot seat. Both guys were overdrafted. Both guys are projects, not prospects. Tim Tebow was a project. He was never a prospect. Lamar Jackson's a project. He's not Sam Darnold. He's not Josh Rosen. You watched them last night. He's not even close. Do you know what those two guys are up to these days? <laughs> Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, all due respect, have not even remotely come close through six years now of having a career like Lamar Jackson has been enjoying in Baltimore. So again, that was August of 2018. I want to get your thoughts on that because I believe you were still with the organization at that point or no. Yeah, I was with, I was with them through August of 2018. So I was there for the whole draft process for Lamar. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it, like, look, <laughs> We all do this, right? We're on, we, we do our podcast. He's on a national thing. We're on Twitter. We're all these different places. And like, uh, 
we've all been sorely wrong before, but oh, this is like another level. I mean, it's just calling him a project, a slightly better version of I mean, it's that was that was bad. Some people, I will say this, some people still will not some people agreed with with Colin at the time. Um and some of those people won't let it go. And I guess this is better than that, that he's like going to come full circle and be like, okay, I was not only wrong, but he was like horrifically wrong. Oh, it's about to be full circle. So again, we rewind it. Now we will fast forward. And this is this week, Colin Coward talking about Lamar. Amazing to me sitting in this chair, how fans defend clearly average quarterbacks like Daniel Jones and then pick apart Lamar Jackson. It's one thing, again, in college. There's a lot to unwrap. We all miss. GMs miss on that. But I mean, by the end of his rookie year, when he started playing, you're like, wow. And now what do we know about him? He's super athletic, works his ass off, wins 75% of his starts, and is a really accurate distributor of the football. Think I'm wrong? Right now he's completing 74% of his throws. And people still won't put their arms around him. I didn't get him out of college. I thought it could whiff. I, I just didn't. I thought he'd get hurt. But by year two, he was MVP, historically explosive, winning a lot, more accurate than he was the first year. By year three, he was completing 64% of his throws, had a passer rating near 100, 33 TDs, I think nine turnovers that year, picks, fumbles, something like that. Come on, it's over. The debate's over by year three. Hell, by year two, he's MVP, the debate's over. It is okay, we've all missed on quarterbacks. But this is year six for Lamar Jackson. He owns the Bengals is the most electric quarterback in the league. He is. Teammates love him. Works his tail off. Wins 75-76% of his games. It is a you problem if you don't like the aesthetics how he plays. Who cares? Let's stop defending average quarterbacks and stop picking apart good ones. Lamar Jackson's really good. Folks, we landed on the moon. There were dinosaurs. The world's not flat. And Lamar Jackson's a great, great quarterback. That's reality. If you want to go to your Reddit board and make stuff up, you do that. But that is the reality, is that he's really, really good. I don't know if he's going to win a Super Bowl. I don't know if he's going to win a Super Bowl. It, that, that can't be the standard. Dan Marino didn't win one. That can't be the standard. Can he win a Super Bowl? Joe Burrow didn't have a Super Bowl. You're telling me he's not good? You're, you're telling me he's not good. Okay, Justin Herbert doesn't have a lot of playoff Ws. you tell me he's not good? I mean, the standard can't be trophy, no trophy. Great bum. Can't be that. I want Lamar Jackson. I take Mahomes over him. You know, there's guys I take over him, but not many. Five, six. You win 75% of your games in that division, and right now he owns the Bengals. Who? Kansas City doesn't even own the Bengals. Lamar does. The kid's good. All right, so I know it was a several-minute-long clip there, so thanks for bearing with us, but I just wanted to give all the context, and I see you note-taking over there. I hopped on Twitter and kind of transcribed some of the key takeaways that I felt like were were relevant coming off that monologue, and, and I'll, I'll just kind of read some of these. You know, he, he said in the beginning, it's amazing to me how fans defend clearly average quarterbacks like Daniel Jones and then pick apart Lamar Jackson. I didn't get him out of college. I thought he could whiff. I thought he'd get hurt. This goes back to something that we talk about time in and time again, time in and time again, right? Like some people within the NFL circles, whether it's fan bases, GMs, scouting, whatever, 
sometimes they're afraid of or they don't know about something that is uncertain or different. Lamar is different. The way that he plays the game is different. Uh, he goes on to write, this is year six for Lamar. He owns the Bengals. He said that like three or four times, maybe just twice. <laughs> In our heads, three or four he, times. He does. But, he does own the Bengals, by the way. Seven and one as a starter. Carry he on. Does, he improved the seven and one. <laughs> seven and one on Sunday. Uh, he's the most electric quarterback in the league. It, this is my favorite one of the all. It is a you problem if you don't like the aesthetics of how he plays. Right now, he owns the Bengals. Kansas City doesn't even own the Bengals. Lamar does. So <laughs> look, you know, he he finally has come around. This isn't the first time. I want to reiterate that. This isn't the first time that he's owned up to to some of his past takes. Uh, but he's here now, Sarah, and things indeed have come full circle. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays, and mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It took him a minute. It took him a minute. I don't know what he was saying when, when, when Lamar won the MVP. But he's right. That is the point. It is a you problem. Like, what are we still doing here? Why is it that when I put on Twitter yesterday that that he is the second highest in completion percentage? And and there's like a gazillion people coming in there trying to explain why that's not good or why that's not a big deal or why that's not legit and this and that. And it's just like it is. It's a you problem that you clearly aren't watching him. Here's Here's where I think... Uh, but I felt like it was so well said, so well said. Here's where I think Colin Cowherd is still going to be kicking himself later on. When he starts talking about the Super Bowl, I think he's right that it can't be the st standard that it's like you win a Super Bowl, you're great, you don't win a Super Bowl, and you're a bum. Like, 
I mean, I'm not trying to diss him, but Trent Dilfer won the Super Bowl. He's not a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. That definitely can't be the standard. Where I think Colin's still not getting it right, I don't know if Lamar's going to win the Super Bowl. I don't know if he's going to win a Super Bowl. Listen, if you're going to make like a bold prediction, as bold as he's a project, he's like, go bold the other way. Haven't you learned your lesson yet? I I will sit here and say, and my prediction is Lamar Jackson will win a Super Bowl. Like, he's just too ridiculously talented, and the Ravens are too solid of an organization. And I know that it's, like, so difficult to win it, but, man, if I'm going to be wrong about Lamar Jackson, it will never be something like he's a project or, you know, that he's, he's like, playing the wrong way and he's going to get hurt and he's – he doesn't, whatever, whatever nitpicky thing you want to say about him. If I'm going to be wrong, it's not going to be good for that stuff. I'm going to be wrong, you know, going big on him because I I bet on Lamar Jackson. He just has proven people wrong time and time again. I say he will win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, like it, it's, I feel like it's going to happen. He's too good. The injury report from Wednesday, the first of the week. And it's a packed one, <laughs> as you can see on the screen for our YouTube folks. It is a packed one. We'll just go top to bottom here. Odell with the ankle. He was a DNP. Jadavian Clowney, just an illness, so he did not practice, but nothing crazy or serious. Devin Duvernay popped up with a shoulder. He was limited. Justice Hill, and here's the sort of the – this was the surprise that I mentioned in the open, Sarah. He's dealing with a toe setback. It sure looks like it's going to keep him out from this upcoming weekend, which is why, in a corresponding move, you would think they decided to bring in Kenyon Drake, who spent some time here in Baltimore last season. He's been signed to the practice squad. Would not be surprised if he ends up getting, well, what do you think? Who do you think gets that RB3 call-up on, on, has Melvin Gordon been fully activated to the 53-man, or is he on the practice squad right now? Sorry to put you on the spot. He may no, be no, on no, the no. 53 man with Mustafer, right? Well, now I'm like questioning myself on it. Why don't you keep going through? I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Sorry. Sorry. You look that up. I'll continue to go through the report. Marlon Humphrey is obviously on this list in the aftermath of his foot procedure that he underwent last August. He was a DNP, probably not tracking to play this weekend against Indy. Tyler Linderbaum with the ankle did not practice. Adafe Owe, who left Cincinnati with an uh, uh, the ankle boot. He was a DNP, as were Ronnie Stanley and Marcus Williams. So it sure looks like those final, what, maybe potentially one, two, Justice, Marlon, Tyler, Adafe, Ronnie, and Marcus, that's six guys right there that aren't likely to go. And perhaps we'll see how serious it is for Odell. We'll learn more about his status for Sunday over the next couple of days. Um, so I'm looking at the Ravens roster. They still have Kelvin Ke- Melvin Gordon on the practice squad. That being said, uh, Kenyon Drake is not on it yet. So um, who else got activated? Mustafer? Because if Melvin got, I, I'm just, what I'm saying is, is the the Ravens haven't updated their roster yet because it's still showing. Um, Mustafer, where does that? Yeah, Mustafer they have on the the fifty three. So so it looks like Melvin's still in the practice squad, but they haven't added Drake yet. But he was just added uh, very recently. So 
Yeah, so I'm going to be interested to see. Um, so Clowney is obviously just an, an illness. I didn't expect Odell to pl to practice today, but I will be watching to see if he does on Friday. I think that will be the bigger indicator. There's no reason to have him practice, frankly, Wednesday or Thursday. So I will be watching to see if he makes it Friday, though. Um, then, yeah, Linderbaum and... Can you go back? I was sorry. I was looking at the. I just got thrown off in the. In the. There we go. Uh, Linderbaum and Ronnie. I, no, I know. I'm just. I'm just giving predictions here, and and I was looking at their names, and so now now Marlon Humphrey. I've seen questions today. He has not practiced yet, so I think this is a sign that he will not be ready in week three. So people are like, "Well, what the heck? Why did you even put him on on IR? Because then you know it, maybe there's still a chance for week four." but then you could have just, you know, not had him on there. And my feeling is like people keep thinking that injuries are, are like this exact, like you give, you give a kind of date and the Ravens never gave one, by the way, more came out um, from national reporters, but Marlon Humphrey, that's one of your best players. If there's a chance he can be back within four weeks and you had no clue how these other cornerbacks were going to play. They certainly have played far above my expectations. So if there's even a chance he can come back, yeah, don't put him on IR. So, um, yeah, I still think there's a chance for Odell Beckham jr. But I think Marlon Humphrey is definitely going to be out with Linderbaum and Ronnie Stanley and Marcus Williams. The others, I want to see the Friday report. Wanted to show this other slide too to look at a quick look at Indianapolis and just know that Anthony Richardson, like we mentioned in the post game show in the first couple of days here, he's dealing with the concussion coming off week two. So he was a DNP on Wednesday, which puts his stat status to start, obviously, or even be available in jeopardy, which would mean Gardner Minshew, the former Jacksonville Jaguar, would be QB1 against the Ravens. So that was sort of talked about during pressers on Wednesday this need to prepare for both guys. But again, we'll know more about which one ends up being under center over the course of the next couple of days, just in terms of availability. The rest of that list, a couple other key guys for them. Nothing too crazy though. Ryan Kelly at center, also dealing with the concussion. Kenny Moore at cornerback. Uh, Quentin Nelson, their guard. All these guys are, are either limited uh, or DNPs as of Wednesday. So Let's get to a little bit of audio from from some of this, too, because, you know, our Darius Washington, like we talked about earlier this week, Sarah, such a great story. You know, a former undrafted rookie and answers the call when his numbers called in, in, in the midst of injuries in the secondary, whether it was Marlin or or Marcus. And so Harbs just was was asked about what's going on with. Our Darius. Yeah, the injury is uh, upper body muscle deal um, will um, he's being evaluated, I'd say this week. Just to see whether what the term of that might be. It'll be it'll be multiple weeks, and we'll see where it goes. To your point earlier this week, that does not mean season ending for our Darius, which is obviously a positive. And then you you pulled in what I think Spencer Schultz tweeted out about the specific play that Adafe was injured on. So let's roll this because remember he was walking out of Paycor Stadium. Jess Rebick saw him with a or somebody saw him with with the boot protecting that ankle so there he is on the left hand side again this is yeah, 99 there yeah ravens for dummies on twitter our guy spenny that did not look good let's take another look at that oh bobby it's these 
it's all these injuries where guys are getting rolled up on. That happened to Linderbaum. That happened to Ronnie Stanley. And I mean, oh, like he just buckles on that. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. That's rough. So, so now you're like, hey, is Tyus Bowser close? Because um, Clowney played a lot of snaps last week when Odafe Owe went down. Um, they can bring up some guys from the practice squad, but it sure would be nice to get Tyus Bowser because Clowney, I just don't feel like can, can have that many reps and, and last for 17 weeks, which is, so what's interesting is like, I'm nervous about that position and now running back, but I'm actually feeling better about corner and safety because you know, Humphrey's coming back soon. Pepe Williams should be coming back soon. They've got so much depth now because the cornerbacks were hurt early in training camp. So, um, yeah, outside linebackers will be one to watch. All right, let's move on to some quick hits here and start wrapping things up. Um, let's see here. What do we have first? All right, so, um, yeah, PFF put out some of the pressure leaders for the Ravens this season. Uh, Odafe Owe is leading, even though he went down midway through that game. He's got eight pressures with a 12.2% win rate. It's, that's Excellent. Uh, although I always feel like Odafe Owe gets those pressures. I, what, what everybody's hoping for is that you, you turn more of those into sacks. Uh, but man, this is going to set him back with this this foot injury. Jadavian Clowney has seven. He was he was playing with his hair on fire. He was so good uh, against the Bengals. He has seven pressures and has a nine point seven percent win rate. Justin Matabike five pressures a nine point one percent win rate. Michael Pierce, three at an 8.9%, and then Broderick Washington, two pressures at 10.5%. Um, Jonah Schaefer pulling up a tweet here. He charted, this is bananas, Bobby. He charted every single Brandon Stevens versus Jamar Chase one-on-one uh, -on -one matchup from Sunday's game. So there were 20 total snaps that they were one-on-one. -on -one. 13 of them, Brandon Stevens had him in press coverage. He had one pass interference penalty, zero catches allowed beyond the line of scrimmage. Brandon Stevens, this is a guy the Ravens were ready to move back to safety, <laughs> like because they needed safeties there. They move him back again because of how many people got injured in the in the uh, training camp. Like my goodness gracious, former running back going up against Jamar Chase, allowing zero catches beyond the line of scrimmage. That's bananas. Then Kyle. Uh, Barber, this is a crazy stat too, Bobby. The Ravens DVOA rankings, um, it, it, which is an efficiency ranking. This is the one you really care about. People can talk about yards all day long, but you want to know if you're efficient. The offense is number four, and the defense is number five in the league. The Ravens are the only team to be top five in both offensive and defensive DVOA. That is so good. I'm telling you, go back and look at 2019. Ravens were number one in DVOA um, on offense. That is what you want to see. Here's what's crazy, though. Special teams, number 32. You better believe John Harbaugh is not happy with that. Like I said, I, I think right. I about it in the post game or one of the streams we had we were doing in the last few days, like even though it was a victory Monday, a victory going into week three, I, I can't imagine it felt like that in the special teams room after their performance on on Sunday with the kick return and not that he's going to be upset with uh, 
or the punt return. Not that he's going to be upset with Justin Tucker missing from 59, but yeah. anyway, we'll finish with this because I think this was easily the funniest thing that I saw online <laughs> Wednesday by far. It's just classic. Like I literally found myself laughing out loud to this. I don't do that very often with just like random pieces of content. But when Marlon Humphrey's involved and somebody as dry as Gus Edwards seemingly is, at least in the media, I just found this to be so funny. So this is courtesy of Gus Edwards' Instagram story. For the audio-only people, it is Marlon Humphrey doing what he does, just kind of like talking and making different hand gestures and going after Gus's camera. And he's got his latte in his hand and his notebook or a book or something. He's got a winter hat on, Sarah, and, and a lounge attire. So animated. Yeah, look at but But the best part about it all Okay, Marlon's clearly clowning around, right? But what does Gus Bus caption it as? Bro sound better on mute. That's <laughs> hilarious. Because not that Marlon's funny in that. I think it's Gus that's funny about that because Gus is Gus. Like, he's clowning on Marlon. I just, I, I, the banter cracked me up, and he's so dry and kind of mild mannered that I thought that was hysterical. Yeah, and I could see Gus legitimately wanting some peace and quiet. Like just being like, leave me alone. Just let me be let me be in peace. That was hilarious. I totally agree that it's funny coming from Gus of all people. As always, we want to shout out and thank two of our returning patrons. These guys are supporting everything we do here inside the vault this month through Patreon. So Kurt Pfeiffer and Jamison Helfrick, thank you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. If a, you're a small business owner, if you're somebody who is just loyal to the vault, maybe you, I don't know, just love Ravens football and you're fired up about what's going on and you want to help support us. We have a bunch of different membership tiers that range from $1.99 to $49.99 to get involved with us. There's an incentive in there as well. $4.99 gets you a monthly shout-out. $49.99 will actually allow you to sponsor an entire episode. That's typically for our local small business owners. We just heard from one today, Sarah. We actually got to answer him. But, uh, yeah, we just wanted to say thank you. Patreon's a great way for, for us to show our appreciation to you and also for you, uh, to say a small little thank you to us if you're interested in doing so. So with that, that's a, a Thursday morning vault in the books. We have a special guest episode from Indianapolis for all things Colts preview coming up later this afternoon. So be on the lookout for that. And partner, we will not hear from you until Sunday. you got a lot going on. So post-game live stream is the next time we'll be together. I'm making some arrangements in terms of our Friday morning vault. So I hope you have a great first half of your weekend as we say this time of year. And I can't wait to catch up in, in live stream form with you come Sunday. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, finding somebody to fill in. Uh, got some, some people coming in town, so much appreciated. Enjoy yourself. All right, everybody. This is uh, Thursday morning vault in the books for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this edition of the morning vault. We appreciate you. We thank you. And here comes week three right around the corner.